Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. All right, everybody, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. I'm Guido along with Scoop. Yo, yo, yo. And Johnson. Take that, horny toads. Yeah, take that, frogs of war. You're going down. Uh, yes, WVU wins against TCU in Fort Worth, 29-17. to 17, And it was a great day to be a Mountaineer. Yes. Finally a win. And a different-looking WVU team, especially, especially offensively, Johnson. Yeah, I think you could tell that there was a little more oomph after that opening kickoff that Guido, once again, uh... That's two games in a row that, if I'm being honest, I haven't even fully settled. Like, I was still, I had cooked dinner, I was cleaning up, (laughs) I was getting ready for the game. I hadn't even fully sat down. This is the second week in a row I have not even fully sat down, like, you know, gotten comfortable on the couch, and we're already down 7-0. So, I think... It was, you know, I got to give the team credit. They took that punch in the mouth. We, you know, we were texting each other like, here we go type of type of text. But, you know, they kept it together. They, 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 uh, you know, they stayed grounded. I thought they put some drives together, especially in that first half. It wasn't another game where we were like, whoa, we look completely uh, unprepared to play. You know, I thought they came out. They looked strong. Um, now look, Scoot, TCU's not good. Like, let's not get it twisted here. TCU's not a good team, but you know what? Texas Tech is not a good team either. And we came out and looked really lost and and we weren't able to get that win. So I think going on the road, keeping your composure after getting hit in the mouth and pulling out a win and, and a strong win. I mean, 29 to 17, uh, you know, almost doubling them up. That's that's solid. It, it's hard to be mad after that. I'll, I'll say that. It was great to get a win and get get back on track a little bit. Yeah, it was um I mean I I predicted this win so I can't be surprised. You did. You did. You're still you're still perfect on the season. I know, which is upsetting. I don't know, something about it. I'm glad we won. Don't don't get me wrong. I am glad we won. But I just have a bad I have a bad vibe. I feel a bad vibe, and I think part of it is Well, you're not convinced, are you? Like it's no, it's not, and I think that's the problem, though, guys. I think that none, nobody, like nobody in West Virginia fandom right now is convinced. And this game may have helped a little, but there were still parts of it that I think made us feel not convinced. There were still the the sixty seven sixty seven yard Garrett Green run that made us uh. go. Well, why isn't he playing? Yes. Yeah, you know? But Jared Daigie had a great game. Like, that's not well, like, he had all a good joking game. aside. He I had know, a good listen, game. As Jared Daigie games go over the past two and a half seasons, two and a quarter seasons that he's been the been the quarterback for WVU, he had a Jared Daigie great game. He was connecting on long passes. He threw for over 250 yards. You know, he completed almost all of his passes. So for Jared Daigie, it was a, it was a great there were long, I mean, he had what? He had one that was 44 yards. I mean, we had passes down the field. I, I'm with you, Scoot, though, on the fact that it just still there's still something about well, it. Well, now I don't I'm know to what the it point is. like uh, for me, again, this is, I don't know, maybe I'm irrational. You, maybe, Johnson, you can talk me out of this. I'm ticked. Like, I, I, if I, I feel like 
Listen, if you're not going to play him, don't play him. Don't play him at all. Don't even put don't even put Garrett Green in at all. And I think don't Jake Lance even said, yeah, I think Jake Lance even wrote something about that. Like, listen, it's it's obvious you don't want to play him. Now you're playing him just because you feel like you have to play him because there are enough people who have complained about it. So now you're giving us the one random drive. And oh, by the way, when he had that one random drive, he ran farther than any other WVU quarterback not named Pat White. (laughs) And I think somehow fell in like the top 10 or top 15 longest runs from scrimmage. But let's not bring him back in the rest of the game. Well, and don't you think I sat there the rest of the game when we when it became apparent you were never going to see him again. I thought, what what? would the problem be that he needs to work out this, this week in practice, like ran too fast, like, like drive, <laughs> drive worked too well, you know, like what does he need to clean up this week in Just practice? Just put him at running back. Then if you're not going to use him as a quarterback, make him be another running back. Yeah. And like maybe he gets snaps as a, a and, second. And didn't back. you think as the game went on and you wanted to bleed clock and you know, it was like it, it was really nice to finally find a team that we could run on Guido. Let's face it. We could run on TCU, especially early. Now I know they, they kind of got their act together, you know, as the game went on maybe third quarter, but early, especially we were running and Letty had a great night. Didn't you feel like it would have been an ample opportunity to leave Garrett in run the RPO and just work that clock and work rushing, you know, move the chains running the ball. But we just, we didn't see him make an appearance the rest of the game. Right. And, and I, I I'm with scoot on that. And I, and Jake Lance said the same thing from smokingmusket.com. Like, just don't let him don't let us know that he's there <laughs> the unfortunate part like and it's true though like uh, don't put a guy out he runs i mean it, and like you said it's 67 yards longest run since 2008 and he for a WVU quarterback. he did he look fast he looked fast as crap yeah, he, he was fast. freaking fast like i don't know <laughs> he just looks fast he threw one pass he was one for one on passing for one yard, but like I feel like we're in, and and here's the thing there I think there are some interesting things that came out of this from the offensive side of it. I, for me, the most interesting part was and and both Mike Kazaza and Jake Lance uh, in their respective you know SmokyMusket.com and and two four seven Sports um, both wrote about this, which was the fact that. As the camera panned a few times to Neil Brown, he was not holding a play call sheet. He was not holding yeah, I, I a saw sheet this that you know has all the plays right. on it. So then, who who was making the play calls and who now? So I feel like, and I think we all felt like it was a completely different looking offense in a lot of ways from two weeks ago. And so, what have we changed? on it that has made this you know happen with this offense and maybe it's neil brown's not calling the plays anymore well i can't completely decide and i hate to keep doing this i I don't mean to be i I honestly don't mean it negatively but i think you could tell that tcu's defense kind of helped us look look a little bit better uh saturday night but i think i agree with you guido i think if for if for no other reason jared daigie was really efficient i i mean i know there were you know he luckily TCU let him off the hook 
Um, in I think in the first quarter, he was determined to, to try and force a pass into double coverage. We ended up with a, a, a leg um, field goal. You know, really, that could have been picked off and, and returned for big yardage. He had a couple throws where he was determined to force it into to black jerseys when the play wasn't there. And thankfully, those didn't get intercepted. You know, you might be you might be saying something different. Same old same old Jared Deggie if those get picked off. I don't know. But I think just on the just overall the the play calling felt tighter the 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 plays felt more efficient and i think it's hard to argue with you know if the happiest person on the evening had to be letty brown collecting touchdowns i mean i think you saw you saw him having success and you even saw um scoot mathis came out of witness protection we hadn't seen him in ages and he was he looked terrific on a couple series so i think Overall, you know, if you ever if you needed a confidence boost for this offensive line in this running game, you certainly got it Saturday it, night. It makes me wonder. So we see Mathis, we don't see uh, Johnson. So that I don't know, and I don't know that we'll ever know. Is it something they're not doing? Is it something that Johnson didn't do this week that allowed Mathis to be the guy, or vice versa? And not that it's that big of a deal, but it's just kind of I'm now starting to overanalyze the thought process of Neil Brown and the coaching staff just because he's given me reason to try to overanalyze his thought process and, and the coaching staff. And like I've said to you guys a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand more. He might be a nice guy. Seems like a nice guy. Right. But there's something like I'm. I'm not happy. With, I hate not being happy. We won, but I'm not happy with how Coach Brown has kind of conducted himself. In but the- but here's my problem, Scoot. Like what? Like and this is this is where it becomes a problem. And next week, so now we go on to Iowa State. Iowa State, a much better team than TCU is, and we'll probably revert back to a lot of the issues that we've had previously. But let's 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 have some let's talk truths here, right? Let's talk some truths here. Neil Brown, we gave him grief for how bad this season has gone when we were, you know, we'd lost all of these games. We were two and four going into the break. Two weeks, we said, Hey, you gotta fix things, you gotta come out, you gotta beat TCU, you gotta look good. Team came out, they look good. Letty Brown runs over a hundred yards. You know, in my opinion, all we hear is Max Duggan, Max Duggan, Max Duggan. Jarrett Deggie looked better than Max Duggan. Like, what else do you yeah, want? Yeah, and the team looked in, you know, I, I think we were heading into the bye like, man, Texas Tech, and then on the heels of that, a Baylor game where they looked like, the team looked like they'd rather be at their dentist appointment than on the football field, right? right? So exactly. I think we all were saying, look, we just want to see a team that's engaged and ready to go. And, you know, they don't have to be perfect, but we need to see some energy and the defense gets back on track. And I agree with you, Guido. Like, if you're, I, I mean, I see where Scoot's coming from because I've turned the game off. Saturday night, like I'm glad we won, but there was plenty of stuff I still felt like I was, you know, dissatisfied with. But the energy was there. You're on the road. I, I think it makes absolutely no sense that Neil Brown is winless against Texas Tech, but somehow owns Gary Patterson. That just makes no sense to me at all. So I like it's hard to be mad. I think. Well, and here's and I guess here's my question: What would what? What would have made you feel different on Saturday night? Uh, like, what could they have done to make you feel any different? Well, I think we're coming into coming off this bye week. We we've all 
and I think I'm going to speak on behalf of all Mountaineer fans, have clamored for some <laughs> sort of... As you are to do. Uh, some sort of change to the offense. Some sort of like, hey, you know what? Let's go to what worked really well in that first drive against Oklahoma. We didn't do that. And I'll be honest, when I saw the first two drives, I was like, all right, here we go. We'll just we'll just diggy it up for the rest of the eternity. But I, I disagree. I See, I disagree with you, though. We had time of possession. I mean, we owned the first quarter of that game. Minus, minus the stupid run back on the kickoff to start the game. WVU owned that first quarter. Like, we had the 11 minutes. We had the ball. We drove the ball down the field. Yes, you know, there were touchdowns, and then there should have been touchdowns, and there were field goals. But, like, they did what they were supposed to do. I think my argument to it is, is what else do you want from this team? Uh, I don't know. I think I just think back to the times when we felt, I guess I want to dominate, but we're not going to dominate. So that's what I, I think. I, I know. I know. Year, I know. That's what I, I miss. Domination. I miss like, I don't like, okay, are we going to keep it close? Are we going to win tonight? Like that's an every game feel like, there used to be a time when we'd be like, we should destroy this team. It's going to be awesome. So you're spoiled. You're, what you're saying is you're spoiled. Yes. Is what, what, and what I'm saying, saying also, and I saw somebody tweet this, but uh, Neil Brown can only beat teams that wear purple as their predominant color. <laughs> and I would also argue that he only is successful against teams that have their head coach or former head coach as a statue outside their stadium. So yes, ridiculous. Uh, you've got uh, Gary Patterson who uh, has his statue outside of the right. horned frog. Uh, I don't know what a frog lives in, but a frog nest, right. a frog dome. Yeah. Frog, <laughs> frog frogville. Nest. Right. Uh, and then you've got uh, <laughs> Bill Self. Not Bill Self. You've got uh, Snyder. Uh, Snyder. Right. Uh, yeah. Family Bill restroom Snyder, stadium. Yeah. Family restroom stadium wearing his windbreaker right. and his uh, pony sneakers. Right. Um Standing out in front of uh, the uh, Wildcat uh, e- Den, Emaw, <laughs> Emaw, yeah. Every every man a Wildcat. Every man a windbreaker. Yes, that's it's. Uh, they should do windbreaker <laughs> giveaways. They should. I don't know if they I do. Mean, but that's I. I don't want to root for. Hey, are we going to play a team that's wearing purple? That's then I feel good about it. Like that's stupid. Well, isn't but if it? If you look at my predictions, those are what I have. Well, isn't it interesting though, Guido? That it it's so it's so weird to me. We we I feel like we do this every Neil Brown season now because, like I said, he's winless somehow against Texas Tech. But Texas Tech is a like. Uh, a dumpster that someone has set on fire and pushed down a hill and we, you know, losing that game, you know, if you're sitting here right now at four and three, you're not feeling so bad. Right. But it's just, it's, it's, right. it's so weird. And it, it just, it, that game is going to be a thorn in our, like, yeah. Do you, does Baylor feel bad? Sure. You shouldn't have gotten blown out, but I think we're going to find Baylor is a pretty talented team. They're going to win some games and they're going to be in the mix here down the, down the seat, down the end of the season. Texas tech is not. And that game is just going to be a thorn in our side now. But anyway, like it happened. We need to Johnson move on. I know we need, we need to hey, move on. Well, here's, but here's the thing. Guido, do you, do you feel going into next week, Iowa state, do you feel confident? Well, and that's where I was going, Guido, not to cut you off, but that, that's exactly where I was going with that comment because you're, that is still lurking in the back of your mind. So now right. you go – so, yes, you got this win. Does this week make you feel confident for next week? Right. right. You're, you're still three and four because of that – that just debacle at home against Texas tech. Now you're, now you're heading into Iowa state. I watched a lot of the Iowa state 
Oklahoma State. That was a very good game. I thought Oklahoma State came out early and looked like they were going to dominate. Iowa State regrouped. And and look, they beat a really good Oklahoma State team. So, I, I mean, Scoot, I'll go – since I inserted myself here, I'll go first. I, I don't feel like – I think the defense can play a good game. I think they can, you know, I mean, look, Iowa State's got a really nice, you know, receiver, really nice running back in Brees Hall. They've got a really good quarterback who's mobile. They they remind me a lot of this, um, you know, TCU team on, on offense and even Virginia Tech a little bit with their mobile quarterback. But I'm not confident that the offense is going to be able to overcome on their side of the ball. I think the defense can keep us in it. I, I'm not – I'm just not confident – in, in, you know, Jared Deggy leading this team out there and getting a win over a team like that, I'm not. Here's the thing, Scoot. Am I confident? No. I'm not confident. Do I think Do I think this West Virginia Jared Deggy-led team can beat Iowa State? Yeah, I do. I do think this team can. I think and, – and here's, and here's the thing about this West Virginia team. I'm, I'm actually starting to come around to the fact that we sit here and we complain about quarterbacks and we complain about players and we talk about individual performances. And I think the problem for some reason this year is more coaching than players. And so I think they can be coached to beat Iowa state. I think that if they were coached like they were coached against TCU, there's a better chance. If they were coached like they were coached against Oklahoma, there's a better chance. Here's the thing, Scooty. Like, I'm done. I'm kind of – and listen, we we made fun. I know I, we tweeted out this week a funny comment Guido made at the beginning of the <laughs> season about how he bought the Jared Daigie jersey. I'm excited about the jersey, seeing that jersey at the Texas game. That's going to be it sweet. Did, it did not – that did not age well. That did not either. age well. I agree. But here – Get that number two. Let me throw something at you. Now, I know you're not a stats guy, Scoot, but right now, Jarrett Dagey, quarterback, starting quarterback for WVU, leads the Big 12 in passing yards, average yards per game, passing attempts. He's second in completed passes. He's beating Brock Purdy, who we're going to see this week, and he's beating Brock Purdy in all of those. The player can play. It, can he be coached to play? I think it's a coaching issue. So yes, do I think WVU can be beat Iowa State? Do I? Uh, uh, am I confident? No, because I'm not confident right now well, about the coaching I, staff. I will agree with you. I do think it's a coaching issue. I, I think we do have players that will help us win. I I I don't disagree with that. Um, I think if you were to look back, and I know everyone talks about how the cupboard was bare and yada yada yada, but coaches are are paid to win. And and that's how we judge them. If you if you look back, go back th- four years, three years before Neil Brown, when we went to play Iowa State, did you ever have a lack of confidence in in that we? But I but I think that's a difference between Iowa State has built their program better over the past couple. Of I years. mean, okay, well then take I I think we could have gone into almost any week other than Oklahoma and said, you know what, I think we got a pretty good chance. You know what I think the problem though is, Scooty, and and this is and this is a bigger conversation in a lot of ways is like, I think our tolerance as fans for coaches has diminished a lot over the decades that we've been WVU fans because you like Rich Rodriguez, what he was, and you keep hearing the stat right now, he was like fifteen and thirteen in his first three years or whatever. Like he didn't start winning till his fifth or sixth year at WVU, like. 
like 07 was like what his sixth year seventh year at wvu johnson so like you look at it and go well why aren't we i, I get it like there are coaching issues why are we year three after COVID? I get whatever, but ye- why are we year, year three so hard on Neil Brown? Right I, now? For me, I'll tell you, I'll jump in. For me, uh, some of it is so we, he gets paid a ton. Yeah. The more transfer, than most West Virginians make. Yeah, like, the transfer you know? portal has kind of evened things. I think it, it's, it's made it in the sense that like, Hey, if you can't recruit real well, as far as getting the, the high school guys, you can possibly, you know, pluck a couple guys off the transfer portal and, and maybe help yourself. And we have extended his contract and, and included a gigantic buyout because we were worried that Auburn was going to take him last year, which uh, I don't know that that's as real as it is. So now we're kind of like, stuck with him for a while not to and i don't like feeling that like that but we are kind of stuck with him for a while so like hey man if we've got you as our coach like we've got some expectations well, and i think too i mean for for one thing guido richrod started winning immediately i mean you don't you don't remember that but i mean his second year we were nine and four going to a bowl so i mean right. he, he did win early i i think it's a little bit of carryover from I, you know, I think people got bland on Hogs early in his Big Twelve career, even though he left, you know, his Big Twelve tenure pretty, pretty successful, ten wins, and then I think eight wins in two of those three seasons. So I think people wanted to see that as the baseline, and then and then moving forward, which in any coaching change, you know, is pretty, you know, irrational. I I think what what has done. I, I think this is a unique situation with head coach Neil Brown because of sticking with this quarterback, sticking with these, like, where it looks like, you know, you weren't going to beat Army. I mean, we've covered it. You weren't going to beat Army. You had to bench him. You're now losing games like Texas Tech. You don't see the progression, but I'm I'm asking to trust the climb. You know, I'm asking you to trust this climb. I don't see the progression. I think that's why he's picking up a lot of heat, and I think this TCU game – hopefully isn't just like a stopgap. I, I hope we come out against Iowa State, who I'll remind you guys, across the board, we all picked in the preseason as a loss. So not even Scoot, you know, Scoot's been a thousand percent and he's got it as a loss. So it looks like it's definitely lean and loss. But So you guys just let, ask me what you want and I'll tell you what's going to happen. <laughs> well, I just, think, <laughs> I just think we need to now try to build off of this. You know, Guido, we haven't talked about it, but some wonderful secondary play, you know, stuff that really got you up off the couch with two terrific interceptions. The defense pretty much pitched a shutout in the second half. Um, you know, and yeah. I think the offense, to your point, I think Scoot's frustrated because they're not flashy, but I think I'm okay with that if you're winning. You know, if you're efficient, if you're winning, if if we're not throwing interceptions, if we're not putting the ball on the on the turf, fumbling it and, and turning it over, I'm okay with that. I just hope that we can now take this and build on it against what I think is going to be a much, much better Iowa State team. Well, we talked about it last week with Jake Lance from Smoky Musket about how, like, all right, you come out, you beat TCU after – you know, the bye yeah. week, you come out rejuvenated, right. energized, whatever. You steal one of these games from Iowa State or Oklahoma State. You probably beat a subpar Kansas State team. Maybe you steal one from Texas and you're, I mean, listen, I'm quitting if we uh, if we don't beat Kansas because, like, I mean, I know Kansas didn't look 
horrible against Oklahoma, but Oklahoma also yeah. is having their If there was ever a year well. to beat Oklahoma, it was this this ver this and version. That's what's, like we can have another conversation about Oklahoma. Yeah. It's killing me this year about how like Oklahoma's fourth ranked, but they are right. like this is like the weakest year yes, ever for Oklahoma. This version. And so now like I went into you know, last week in the bye week, and I'm like, we're not going to a bowl. And now I'm looking at it and going, man, we could still do this. Like, this can still happen, guys. Like, the, three wins here out is not necessarily out of the cards. Well, it's funny how your emotions go through that, right? As a WVU fan, it's like you're always riding the roller coaster. I just want to see, I want to see positives. I think, like Jake was saying last week, you're going to have to try to get these games that we thought were gettable. So you mentioned Kansas State and Kansas. You got to then steal one from someone. Is it Iowa State? You know, is it is it Oklahoma State? I think before we move on, though, I think Scoot, I would just circle back and say, look, you had two bad losses. One that I think is a horrific loss against Texas Tech. You you go into the bye week in a terrible mood. This team could have packed it in and taken this road trip to to Fort Worth and and taken a bad loss here to TCU because they're also not not a good team. But they didn't. You know, I I think we should commend the team and the staff for they looked ready, they looked engaged, they looked like they had energy there on those interceptions. I thought everyone fed off of Porter and, and Charles Woods having a great game. You know, I, I liked it. I mean, you it's hard to be mad after that win. I'm glad they didn't pack it in. And so I'm I'm with you, Guido. I'm it gives me a little bit of hope now down the stretch, you know, maybe you're trying to regroup and, and see and see where you can build on it. That that's where I'm I'm hoping we are. Here's here's what I'll say, since I, I do make great predictions. If, if you don't if you do if say you so. wanna get I can't wait till he gets one wrong. If you wanna get to six wins. Yeah, I do. It's gonna have to happen against Iowa State. Okay. I don't think we have a chance to beat Oklahoma State. We've done really poorly against them in the last couple of years. Yeah, right. And uh, we're not going to – I think Texas is going to be tough. I agree. Yeah. So I think your best bet is Iowa State. But with that being said – For the one that for the one that we right, steal. Right. Mean? I think like Kansas the, and Kansas okay. State we should win. But Because, right. uh, I, I mean, let's be honest. I don't even know what Kansas State – has do they still have optimus prime or whatever that character like he, they had a guy that was named after a transformer or some jazz No, but they have a really talented running back i mean they've got some talent on, but but i know I what mean, you mean like of the games like, remaining they're clearly one of the gettable games but yes yes but iowa state is gonna have to be that steal game because i don't think we're stealing the other two games that's fair yeah that's fair so we we look at going into iowa state iowa state playing strong three and one of the conference right now you know, our defense looked good this weekend. I mean, Josh Chandler Tomato still playing out of his mind. Like, he's having a great season. Yeah. And I hope that there are NFL scouts that are keeping an eye on it. Because, I mean, every week you look at the box score and he's top of tackles. Like, he's at the top of the yeah, list every week. Right. Jared Bartlett yeah. a couple times looked like he was shot out of a cannon. He had a great game. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you guys know who Dante Steele is, but he apparently had a good game. Dante Steele. And Charles Woods finally, like, where's he been all right. season? Like, all, all of a sudden, what, two two uh, two fumbles recoveries? And, you know, well, it, and am I wrong? Was I thought maybe I got to think about this. I shouldn't have brought this up if I wasn't for sure. But I thought Charles Woods came in because, unfortunately, Nick Troy Fortune 
went down. Hopefully he's not injured, you know, hopefully he can come back. But I thought he was in as a, you know, trying to fill a role, right? Guido, he was, he was getting some more time. He got more, yeah, because Nick Troy went down in the first half. And And so, I mean, he played terrific for being inserted like, like that. So it's, it's just, I feel like we've got a chance. Iowa State, the defense steps up. I mean, Brock Purdy, still a great quarterback. Iowa State, still a good, strong Big 12 team right now. Does WVU, though, are, you know, Iowa State at home, weird two o'clock tick, kickoff time. Like, for me, like, that's the strangest thing. We're home, but it's a two o'clock kick. It's on ESPN. Plus. Will fans show up? Will the crowd be ready? You know, WVU, I'm with you, Scoot. Like, this, I feel like of our season right now, this is the make or break. This, this game coming up, I think, will determine. Um, bowl or no bowl? Well, don't you think it's interesting though? I, and I, I'm maybe I'm laying it on thick here with the blind optimism, but I think it is interesting that Guido, you're already alluding to it. Like you know, you got to come to Morgantown. It's kind of a weird mid afternoon kick. Yep. You play Texas, so if you're Iowa State, you play Texas next. Are you are you rolling into Morgantown like? Hey, the Mountaineers aren't having that great of a season. We ought to get this. Let's let's just let's just get in here, get this win, and then get on to Texas. Thinking about Texas. Yeah. Right? Do you do you catch them a little bit? And they're coming off a big win. They just had a really emotional, I think, you know, storming the field win against Oklahoma State. They didn't expect to get that win. Do you do you have an opportunity to catch them a little bit? You know, do you play well and do you catch them looking ahead? Do you catch do you catch them patting themselves on the back from beating Oklahoma State? I can tell you what we are going to catch is a lot of how Matt Campbell is the next hot coach uh, yes. in America, and that uh, I'm sure uh, LSU and some of these other places will be uh, knocking on his door, USC, and that uh, we'll hear a lot of Matt Campbell garbage. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, though. I, th- I mean, and you, you say that, Scooty, but I think this might be Matt Campbell. I mean, if he can pull off the season that he's kind of building for right now, this might be his last season at Iowa State because there are going to be some big spots open, and he's going to be a name that's going to be thrown around for those, you know. So, I mean, and you joke about the LSU, but, I mean, that might be the direction that he, he may be going, but – I think that WVU is in one. This is one of those times where, you know, Neil Brown has to start showing something to the fans. And I don't necessarily know if it's about personnel as much as it's about, you know, change and being able to we change. We have yeah, no identity. Cre- well, and I think it's creating that identity that he's been talking about, like, Scooty. That's a great it? way of like, saying are it. We- like, what is it? Are we a defensive team? If we are, then let's go all in on defense. Like let's let's be that defensive team. Are we well, I, on offense? What are we? Well, and I think that it's it's a it's a matter of of motivating the team and getting past these this first half that was a stinker. Like it was just bad and it felt bad and and like we said with Jake last week, like the emotions not only for us as fans are down, but it has to be that way in the locker room. So now you've got this win under your belt. You came out, you beat TCU. I thought the team played well. I that's I think that the next step is trying to kind of build on that. And you come out out of that bye week and you beat TCU, and then you turn around the next week at home and you upset over Iowa State. Even if even if you finish the season with only six wins from here on out, I think it changes. 
the whole tenor of the situation for Neil Brown. You sound like a guy that <laughs> is putting your harness back on and perhaps... <laughs> Grabbing your carabiners. Getting your carabiners all lined right. up. Maybe uh, maybe packing an extra cliff bar or something in your yes. in your backpack. Right. I and mean, you're you're gonna trust this climb. You're gonna get I back can... on that horse, back on your mule, <laughs> and go along the the ridge. You're you're gonna do some ridge running here. Listen, you upset Iowa State this week. And oh man, you're it... all in. I can't wait. That that Daggy jersey will be <laughs> visible at the Texas game. I'm buying backpacks. I'm maybe getting a new tent. Like I might be ready. Like that, I don't know. The only Scoot, problem I'm is just... if you buy a, a WVU jersey now, you're gonna get the ridiculous 21 because it's 2021. So somehow we are gonna have to do something where we're gonna have to get some sort of like seam ripper and take off the one to your daggy jersey. Well, and I think we do not to be <laughs> not to throw the wet blanket on your, you know, getting getting. Uh, prepped for the extension of your climb he's here but starting to put his tent he away he's starting to he, is, he's, he is he's doing it he's he's getting warmed up i think he's taking the leftover coffee and throwing it in the fire just just keep in mind though i was you're 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 going so you had a really nice you had a really nice saturday night against tcu's ninth ranked out of 10 big 12 rush defenses right yes. and letty brown yeah, right, right. felt good and we were all really happy for him and we're patting the offensive line on the back I hope they can keep it up against Iowa State's second ranked out of 10 rushing defenses in the conference. I think it's going to be a tougher task. I think it's going to be, you know, something where you're going to need to build on. So if you if you thought you had some strengths against TCU, let's see it in action against this team that I think is going to be a legit defense. No, you're absolutely right. But I like getting excited. I know, Johnson. no, I know. And I, I want you to I be wanna, excited. I want to be excited with I, you. I just, Scoots sort of, Scoots pulled me over into base camp a little bit, and I can't quite, you know. Listen, I I think, can I, can I say this? Go ahead. Here's, here's the deal. All right. Are you willing to make a bet, Guido? Are you, are okay. you a betting man? I mean, you know I'm a yeah, betting I man. Mean, okay, here's the deal. We're going to this Texas game, right? Right. Okay. Oh boy. If Scoot loves this kind no, of stuff. If WVU beats Iowa State. Okay. I will walk into Milan Pushkar Stadium. Oh, I like this. With a gigantic sign that I've handwritten that says "Daggy is my boy." Okay. 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 If Iowa State <laughs> If Iowa State beats us, you will walk into that stadium <laughs> with the handwritten sign that says, Diggy is my boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like this. All right, I'll make that bet. I'll do that bet. I will 100% do that bet. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. All Let's right. do it. I will do that bet. Big, nice big cardboard. Yep. <laughs> yes. Nice big cardboard. <laughs> sharpie. Big sharpie. Yes. No hearts. No hearts like, on no, it. No, no, no. Just like no a uh, uh, like a game day, college game yeah. day, big sign. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, Diggy is my boy. Hundred percent. If uh, if we do that, I'm a, I'm in, Scooty. One hundred percent. I'm in. Okay. Oh man, it's gonna be now. Now I'm now I'm a little more stressed. <laughs> do you think they'll? If you're, do you think they'll assume if you if you do that? Do you think they'll assume you're like uh, Max Duggan's dad sitting in the stands <laughs> that we had to hear about for four quarters about you know like I'm, that's 
Yeah, people are going to start trying to do a little age, uh, quick, quick right. reference, cross-reference on your <laughs> age. And, yeah, right. Yeah, like, uh, that guy could what? be. I guess he's, what, 40-something? Maybe <laughs> he's his dad. Maybe he's is it really sure. his dad? Why would Jared. his dad sit in such a high seat, though? Like, why would he not be closer to the field? I'm going to tell people I'm Jared Deggie's uncle. Right. Like, long lost uncle. <laughs> yes. Uh, right now, WVU is uh, is not picked to win the game. Iowa State is a seven point favorite right okay. now over WVU in the spring. Right. So, I mean, it's a touchdown. It's not too One bad. Possession. I, it's actually, be- to be honest with you, it was a little better than I thought. Yeah, it was I'm, I'm kind of surprised too, to be honest. Says the guy who's worried about carrying a sign. <laughs> He's got to talk <laughs> himself into something better. What's going to happen halftime? Scooty's going to be like negotiating halftime if WVU's up. He's going to be like, say, hey, about yeah, that sign I, thing. I know we had fun about that no, listen, sign. We're on. We're it's it's on. All right, it's on. Hundred percent on. Well, WVU plays Iowa State Saturday, a very common two o'clock kickoff. Yeah, because uh, we see those all the time. Right. That game is on ESPN Plus. So pull out your nickels and be ready to be uh, charged to be able to watch WVU if you watch it on TV. Um, so it's 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 you know it it could happen though. I feel like, th- and I agree with Scooty. Like, I feel like this is the win that Neil Brown needs to get to make us all get back on the climb. So it's definitely true. Well, guys, listen, we have something very exciting for you. We're going to talk WVU basketball in the next segment. And the one, the only, Brent Solheim is going to join us to talk about this 2021 2022 WVU basketball team. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Vortech Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortechKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortech, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortech Knives. everybody welcome back to got your ears on guido here along with scoot and johnson and don't forget you can find us online look for us on instagram twitter on all the social medias at got your ears you can also find us on facebook just search got your ears on well guys it's that time of year again it's time to talk wvu basketball and as always the three of us don't know much so we like to invite somebody who does know a lot brent solheim Back again this year to join us to talk WVU basketball. Thanks for coming back, Brent. Hey, no problem. Always a pleasure. It's always a, a good time to join you guys. So thank you for inviting me. So we're excited to have you on. We're going to talk about this new team, Johnson, for WVU. Way different this year. Super guard heavy. Kind of a different Huggins approach with you've got all these first-year transfers that are actually going to play. Johnson, what is your first like thought on WVU basketball this season and what Huggins has got with his team. Well, with so many moving pieces, I think I'm still kind of wondering what that starting five is is going to shape up to look like. It seems like we have almost like a lot of folks battling for the same positions, doesn't it? Uh, it you know, like in in that former version. So if you think back to last year, I mean, I know we kind of forced 
the point guard position a bit. I mean, I, I think we probably had someone who was, you know, more comfortable in a two play in the one, but it seemed like if you, if you thought about Culver, if you at the five, if you thought about, you know, kind of Jalen Bridges and the folks we had at, at the three, you know, it, it, it felt like we had at least people you would depend on. You knew who that rotation was going to be. I feel like coming in now, especially when I spent all off season feeling like, I wouldn't see Taz and Sean McNeil back because I thought they'd be battling for, you know, battling each other for the same position and they're both back. I I feel like I'm still trying to figure out what that five man rotation is going to look like, Scoot. Yeah, I don't it's it's a different type of Huggins team. Um I don't know that we're going to have the the big bodies inside like we have in the past. Well, what uh, almost 15 years now with Huggins. What you've got is uh, a lot of guards, and it feels like we've got a, a bajillion. I'm going to go with a bajillion. We've got a that's bajillion. A, that's, that's a big number. <laughs> we've got a bajillion guys that are like, could be a two, could be a three, could be maybe a four. Like So there's a bunch of guys in that two, three, four spot that, uh, like you said, are going to be kind of fighting for time. And I think the rotation – will be interesting to see and I don't know if he's gonna throw a lot of guys out there early to just try to see what's see what's gonna stick um, I do think that you're gonna see Gabe is gonna have to be a defensive presence for us and a rebounder and I think uh, Isaiah Cottrell is gonna have to do some of that as well now that he's healthy well and Brent we heard like already you know in some of the discussions that we've seen on the socials from some of the players leading into this season we've even heard some like some comments saying, you know, we probably guys saying we probably should have been helping Derek Moore on the boards anyways, which I thought was kind of funny. So I think guys know with with Culver now not being in this squad, people are going to have to pick up the load or their fair share of rebounding. That's 100 percent. I saw the same thing that uh, I forget what news outlet it was on, but the guys were saying like, yeah, we we didn't help Derek as much as he probably or gave him the help he should have had. So it will be interesting this year, though. You know, last year when we came in, we had Derek and Oscar were going to be our, you know, dominant front line. And this year we could still have both, but we don't have either. So, um, you know, who is going to step up? Obviously, Gabe, um, that, that's, the, that's the most obvious one, but he's 6'7". So then you're looking at who else, who else can come in. And uh, I saw the Blue Gold debut, uh, I think it was two Fridays ago, and uh, – I thought Isaiah looked really well. You know, I was really happy to see him coming off of that injury. His shot was so soft. You know, he he hit a couple threes. He looked really good. Um, but how how explosive will he be? I don't know. And how durable will he be? I don't know that either. So those would be the two guys that I would look to, uh, you know, start at our front line. And then you got Bridges, you know, probably at the three. And then what do, what do you do with the one and two? You got Sean and Taz. So, Right now, I would say that would be my starting lineup, those five guys. Um, and who's going to bring the ball up to court? I'd say probably Taz, uh, but I, I don't know. You know, it's, it's so many things are up in the air right now with who's going to be, you know, fighting over those minutes. I know, you know, with as many new people as we have coming in, uh, what I always tell people is when you come to campus, the guys on the team aren't your friends at first. They're, they're your competition for minutes. And you become friends after a while. But I, I imagine the uh, practices right now are 
pretty intense because everyone's going to be fighting for playing time. Yeah, and Guido, you kind of you corrected me too because I think with Brent's comment about who brings the ball up, I had kind of spent this offseason just assuming we had a point guard now figured out with Malik Curry, but you guys were already kind of correcting me. That might that might actually not be the case uh, definitively. Well, I mean, I, th- I still think you might see Malik Curry in the one, but I think it's just going to be different on how they play you know, with the point guard position. I don't think Malik Curry is a true point guard like we saw, you know, so much with Deuce or some of the other guys that we've seen the past couple of years. And so now, and it's, and it's kind of funny, it's weird to say this, I feel like this is a Bob Huggins team that's built a lot like a Pat Beeline team or John Beeline team. Like, I feel like this is a, you know, a guard heavy there's a lot of shooters. There's a lot of three-point talk guys. You know, you got Taz, you got Sean. Malik Curry is a is a pull-up-and-shoot kind of guy. So, you know, you see this team, you know, you saw it last year with Jalen, who will probably start in the four. These are all guys that want to shoot outside the arc, Brent. And so that kind of changes what Huggins has kind of taught us over the last 15 years. I agree with you. It's almost like we are a little bit more athletic John Beeline team. I, I can't disagree with you on that, you know. Taz, Sean, JB all like to shoot threes. Isaiah was shooting threes. Um, I imagine Gabe will get benched if he starts shooting threes, but uh, <laughs> I think all the other guys are going to have a green light. Do, do you think that with, with this many outside shooters, you know, uh, long shots produce long rebounds? So maybe it's not as, as um, paramount that we have multiple big men in the game at the same time? I mean, that is, that's definitely, that's definitely a true statement. Um, you know, those those rebounds are going to be coming out. So if you have uh, an Oscar or a Culver right under the hoop and those balls are bouncing out 15 feet, maybe they're not getting them anyway. So maybe it maybe it won't be that big a deal. But one thing that happens with that, though, too, long shots, long misses create uh, opportunities for the other team uh, for transition baskets as well. So we have to make sure that even if we're shooting a lot of outside shots, we're getting back sprinting back to the other end of the court as well well and guido you haven't said it but i felt like you were maybe thinking it so i'm gonna bring it up but do you think with the makeup of this team the athleticism maybe heavy on the guard side i agree with you there do you think do you think it gives hugs pause to try a little bit more pressing or a little bit more full court defense than he would have otherwise well and he said a couple of times here in the postseason like this is going to be a a different defensive look i mean i would not be surprised if we see press virginia come back more this season i mean we he needs to do something because i think the thing that i'm worried so there's a lot of positives uh, I think the thing that I'm worried about is, and, and Brent, you were you and I were talking about this before the show started, it's an old team. It's not a really young team. I mean, there's a lot of fifth-year seniors. There's a lot of, se- you know, regular seniors, fifth-year seniors and regular seniors. Uh, there's There's not, you know, there's not a lot of cohesiveness. This isn't a team that's played a lot together. I mean, I know some of these guys are coming back, but the guys that are coming back played in a completely different offense and team last year. So I think that, you know, Huggins has got to do something to change it up this season because I don't think he's going to have as much offensive prowess as I think he thought he had last year with Derek and, you know, some of the other guys being able to shoot, Brent. No, I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, It will be interesting because I I don't see any, you know, Javon Carter might have been the best defender we've had uh, in in I, I don't know how long, but 
there's no Javon Carters on this team up there uh, pressuring the guards like uh, even like a Deuce. Deuce was great on defense, but I, I don't see Sean or Taz uh, as tenacious on defense as a, as a Javon or Deuce. So even if we do a press Virginia, I don't think it's going to be as scary as it was, you know, five, six years ago when, when we had those just incredible athlete bulldog type guys up there just you know, pressuring uh, 94 feet. I, I don't see that with this team, but you may see some additional pressing, but I, I don't think this is going to be a, a press Virginia, I don't want to say quality team, but that type of tenacious defense this year. Yeah, and Scoot, do you think, um, the, the other thing I think is interesting is with so much so much emphasis on Deuce last year, you kind of, you know, he was kind of the man. When you needed a basket, when you just had to have a bucket, I feel like that everyone everyone just looked to Deuce. Like, hey, you know, and I'd say most of the time <laughs> defenses knew where the ball was going. I do you think that if you had to pick someone right now that was going to maybe stand out to to step up and be the guy, maybe quote unquote for this team, do you do you lean? I know it's hard right now, but do you start to lean anywhere? Does anyone stand out to you? I mean, I think you've got to go uh, – I think Taz, because Taz can get to the basket and he can shoot outside. Um, I, he's not uh, one-dimensional. Not to say that, that uh, Sean McNeil is, but Sean's more likely to – if you're looking for a three, Sean might be that guy. But as, as far as getting a basket – it's Taz. I think Taz can can create off the dribble better than than some of the other guys. The thing that concerns me the most, really, though, with this team is the learning curve, right? So typically, when teams uh, when when we've had transfers on our teams, there's been a a bit of a I don't know four or five game lapse between when we see guys really start to pick it up. If not longer, if not longer. I mean, right. sometimes you don't see guys for a year when Huggins right. plays. Right, and I'm, like, I'm like, we look at Kedrian Johnson. He just finally started to kind of see some minutes toward the end of the season last year, really. So I worry that we're going to try to rush some of these guys along, and it could be a little bit of a, like you guys were saying, you know, we're fighting for minutes. Um, we could see, I don't want to say we will, but – Guys will end up in the doghouse if we do, but we could see some selfish play out of some guys just trying to kind of make a name for themselves or try to stand out. So that that concerns me a little bit. Um, knowing Coach Huggins, though, I'm sure he's he and his staff have tried to put together personalities that wouldn't do those types of things. But when you're a 19, 20, 21, 22 Maybe we have some 23-year-olds. I don't know how old Taz is. He could be 24. I don't know. But, you know, there is a, a, a point where you're trying to establish, you're trying to make a name for yourself. You're trying to justify why the team wanted you, why the coaches wanted you. So I, I'm worried that we're going to see a little bit of that early on. How, Brett, like and, and from a player's perspective, this early, you know, we, we allegedly had this secret, uh, you know, double secret, you know, scrimmage game over the weekend in, against Dayton. Yeah, against we Schmain, got this ex right. Yeah, we, we've got this exhibition game coming up in a week against Akron. And so this is a time of year when you start to get all these preseason, you know, rankings and all this stuff. Right now, WVU, you know, ranked fifth in the Big 12, um, you know, got no votes from the AP. 
You know, so there were no 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 votes from the AP. Ken Palm, Ken Pomeroy, uh, KenPalm.com, which is sort of like where all of us stats nerds go uh, to look at basketball, has WVU 49th of D1 schools, so 49th of the 300 and whatever D1 schools there are. So it's a for WVU, we're ranked lower than we average, you know, with Huggins over the past couple of years on a whole. Does that start? Is that a motivation factor from a player standpoint? Is that something that they're like, oh, we're being forgotten and we need to play harder? Or where do, where do players stand on that? So if you think back to last year, we were so hyped up. You know, we got Deuce coming back. We got Derek. We got Oscar. We're going to be dominant. Just all you heard was how great we're going to be. And we came out and we were not great at all um, to start the season. And, you know, Oscar quits 10 games in. Um, this year, you know, I think the guys are going to be hungrier because, um, you know, we don't have our best guys back. Duke, um, Duke, Deuce, um, Derek, they're gone. So we need other guys to step up. And I'm hoping that they had some, you know, a lot of a lot of work this summer. And, and we'll, we'll find out who put in the work this summer and who didn't. But, uh, you know, everything is wide open right now with who's going to get playing time, who's not. Um, there's a lot of guys in that probably – four to eight or nine range that could get a lot of minutes could could see very few minutes but uh, I, I think that's probably a fair ranking considering you know they look at us as just having a couple of outside shooters coming back uh, you know I, I I don't know that I would put us as a top 25 team I, I know I wouldn't right now so you know that's probably not a, a terrible place to uh to be now Huggins announced um at this uh, blue gold debut that we were um I don't know, seated fifth or sixth in the big, big uh, 12 or something like that. And some people cheered. He said, why would you cheer for that? (laughs) You know, to the whole crowd, (laughs) which was funny. So, uh, you know, he's going to have high expectations. He always does for his team. And, you know, he will crack the whip and get them playing. If nothing else, they'll be playing hard. So I'm looking forward to the season. But a preseason, that's probably a a pretty fair um, ranking. Now, when you guys play Brent preseason, did you guys have these like double secret exhibition games? Did you ever do that kind of stuff? We did not. Um, we always had opened up with like the Turkey national, Turkish national team, or something like that. Uh, um, we never had any of these secret uh, scrimmages, and I know we 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 scrimmaged at least Purdue a few times. Not not my team, but here recently, and I've always wondered, hey, how do they choose these teams that they're going to practice against? You know, like. Is it just a phone call or, you know, why Purdue a couple years? Why Dayton now? You know, I'm. Why is it a secret? I, I don't know. Well, they just don't probably want anything to get out that, you know, West Virginia smashed Dayton or vice versa and, you know, have the fans or, uh, you know, people who, the AP, who, whoever r- ranks them, they don't want to give them a heads up, I would guess. And I guess, like, a lot of what they do during those uh, exhibition games is they do a lot of you know, simulated scenarios too. So they do a lot of like, you know, each team start goes, Hey, we're, it's two, stuff. yeah, start and stop two minutes left. They were down by 10. What are we going to do? That kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's just so funny that they've, they've made it so like hush, hush, top secret kind of stuff. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. Hey, hey, Brent, when, when you played, did you have, if you can remember, did you have a lot of transfers at all? I mean, I know it's crazy now with the transfer portal and all that stuff and fifth year is an extra time. But as you've played, do you remember having any transfers come in and then how that process played out with trying to get accustomed to new guys? I know 
freshmen don't always see a lot of time, but maybe a transfer would. No, so we, uh, I can't remember having one transfer. We had several, you know, we had, we had probably, I, I don't, I don't want to say 50 50 mix of uh, true freshmen and Juco transfers, um, but not like from another school. Now, Elton Scott did come in my senior year, like in December. I'm not even sure how that worked out or if he just became eligible then or what, but. He was like a mid-season transfer. His first game was actually in Georgia at Georgia in December, and he didn't. He practiced with us for maybe three days before then. But uh, we, I, I can't think of one right off the top of my head. Someone who transferred from another school. It just the landscape is so different right now with the transfer portal than it was twenty years ago. It's totally different now, and and I don't even know how the coaches would go about finding these people. You know, how do you settle on? There's 300 people in the transfer portal. How do you even start recruiting with that? I, 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 I don't know how that works now. Yeah, it's it's definitely crazy. I mean, these guys, these guys. It's just like you just. It's like, it's like it's like you, you're playing professional sports and you just get traded and want to go to a different team. I mean, because you know it's there's it's not just like a player saying, "Hey, I want to leave." It's got to also be a recruiter or somebody in their ear saying, "Hey, if you come here, you get more time," you know, and. It's it's an interesting uh, world that we, we yeah, live it, in. It's a little bit disappointing too, because what what happened to if you're not getting playing time, work harder? You know, that's kind of that's what my my dad, my mom, and dad. You know, they didn't say anything about where to go. My dad's only piece of advice was pick a school and stick with it. Don't be one of those guys who comes back and transfers to a small college back home because you're homesick. Make a good choice and stick with it. Well, and I feel like we're seeing that. We saw that last year with, with. I kind of feel like that's what happened with Oscar. Is like Oscar wasn't playing well. Season started rough. You know, rumor was he didn't come into the season conditioned. And then I think you know Calpare or somebody gets in his ears, and then all of a sudden he's transferring and leaving, and the grass is greener. And you know, here we are. But it definitely has changed especially i feel like in basketball more than in football it's changed like the landscape because it's so easy for guys to leave and go play somewhere else big school you know than it was years well ago. i'm i'm kind of waiting for and it hasn't really happened to my knowledge but i'm still kind of waiting for the kind of like the lebron chris bosh uh, we start to to gather a couple of highly recruited guys, and they all decide, "Hey, you know what? It's not working at the school we chose. Let's all go to I don't know, uh, yeah, Ohio right. State or some school, right. yeah, some college, and then try to go to a college where they can kind of join up." Uh, we haven't seen that yet, but I think it could happen. So, guys, we're we're looking down the barrel here. Friday, the t- this Friday, we play. Uh, against Akron. The game is televised, by the way. You can watch this week. It's an exhibition game, but it is televised. It's against Akron. It's at in Morgantown in the Coliseum. Uh, all funds go for the Norma Ray Huggins Cancer Foundation. So we get to see a little bit of WVU basketball. I have a feeling it's not going to be, you know, the full reveal. I think Huggins will trot out some different things, and we might see a starting five that we may not necessarily see all season. Looking at, you know, preseason schedule, nothing really crazy. You've got Pitt in there. You've got this um, travel to the Charleston Classic down in South Carolina where Old Miss and St. Bonnie's and a couple of other Clemson, a couple of other teams are. But uh, other than Connecticut, which Connecticut's not Connecticut anymore, preseason not that rough. We start January 1st in Big 12 play. 
Scooty, you said a couple of weeks ago you weren't real hot on this team, and you were kind of where where is WVU this year? Are we dancing in March? Are we, you know, are we a, a, a uh, upper tier seed? What do you think? That's a good question. I, I I'd like to think that uh, we have a shot. I mean, if if Ken Pomeroy already has us 49th, I think if we tread water, um, we should be a an NCAA tournament team. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be interesting just to see how things shake out. I don't know that we'll really see a true comfortable rotation until maybe Big 12 play because I think it's going to take time to sort all these guys out. I don't, we've got uh, Diamond Kerrigan. We've got Polly Policap, Malik Curry. Um, those are three new guys that have just one year to play, and I'm sure they're not going to be thrilled if they're sitting on the bench, so they're going to do everything they can to get playing time. So, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting. We've got a couple of freshmen, uh, Seth Wilson and Kobe Johnson. Are they going to play? Are they going to be uh, redshirted? You know, does um, Taj Thweet see some time this year, more so than last year? So we've got so many questions. I, I don't know where that leaves us. I think that's why I'm concerned about this team as far as wins and losses because I think we've got more questions than we do answers. Johnson? Yeah, I think what's interesting every time these preseason rankings come out are the middle teams in the Big 12 always seem to be bunched up. I think it's interesting how when you look at the middle of that pack, it's a lot of you almost feel like the people making the ranking aren't real sure. So they they, you know, you could almost mix and match the middle the middle couple teams of the conference. So I think the kind of back to what Scoot was saying earlier, I think the faster we can gel before that January 1st date, the better I'm interested to see, you know, again, how maybe Taz, Sean, Gabe, some of these guys that are, that have been with the program can help things get, get moving in the right direction. But I think if you come out and you know, the, the conference always seems to be a buzzsaw at the same time. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that, uh, you know, I'm thinking those middle teams might be really similarly ranked and and talent wise probably in the same ballpark. But if you haven't, if you haven't kind of figured out that rotation and gelled the way you need to, the the conference tends to chew people up and spit it out really fast. You know, so I I just worry that you know, kind of like Scoot and, and Brent were saying, you know, there's there's like right now people are probably jockeying for position, and if you if you don't start to settle into who that five is, or maybe, you know, seven, eight man rotation, it just makes me a little bit worried once you, once you hit the ground run and we start, you know, you Guido, you mentioned January 1st. I think that January 1st game is against Texas and there's a lot of expectation right now out of Texas. So, you know, there's no, there's no easing into conference play. You just pretty much get thrown right in and you got to start performing. Well, Brent, and it's one of those things, like, I look at it, you know, coming into these preseason, you know, games, these pre-conference games, I should say. Um, you know, right now, all the teams we're playing, other than Connecticut, all the other teams that we're playing are ranked lower than us. You know, if you look at Ken Palm or most of the other ones, you know, Ole Miss, uh, St. Bonnie's, Clemson, uh, Pitt, Pitt's like ranked 150th in, if you look at Ken Palm. Uh, so we're playing a lot of teams that we should, we should be able to beat prior to January 1st. So, you know, there's a chance you're looking at going into January 1st and maybe you've lost one or two games pre-conference and you do that, you probably are ranked. You're probably getting votes. You're probably not looking bad. Um, but you're playing a conference that's, like Johnson said, can sometimes be a buzzsaw, you know, with 
with some of these teams when you look at like Texas Tech and Texas, uh, you know, I I feel like it's one of those the, we're we're setting ourselves up for one of those years where we may be very confident about this team going into Big Twelve play, and then coming out of Big Twelve play, we may not feel as as confident, Brent. No, I, I agree with you. You know, looking over the schedule, uh, there's a lot of mid majors uh, to start the year off, and uh, I expect we will drop at least one of them. Um, I'm, I'm not saying we're going to run the table, but uh, yeah, coming into conference play, we should. You know, I anticipate us having a good record, and hopefully, everyone will have uh, you know accepted their roles at that point after you know your eight nine games into the season, and. Uh, it's tough. The Big 12 is tough. And uh, I I don't know where we're going to land. I, I like you saying that uh, it's a it's a buzzsaw or whatever. You know, we could come in and, and be a 500 team in the Big 12 and with a great um, uh, start start of the season with these um, a good record with the mid-majors and come in and make the NCAA tournament. I think we're right on the bubble right now. So uh, every one of these games is going to count at the beginning of the season, especially when we look to, you know, get into March Madness. So. It'll be telling after the first few games, but uh, we'll find out the truth uh, January 1st against Texas. One thing, Guido, that should be different this year is a full house at the Coliseum. I don't know that we truly saw that uh, last year at any point. So kind of uh, in the Coliseum, if you haven't been there lately, it's pretty nice. New seats, new uh, scoreboard, Jumbotron. I mean, it's it's not Jerry World, but it's it's pretty close. It's pretty big. Um, it's it's a real nice um, college experience. Uh, I think that with the fans there this year, that could be uh, some help because I think that was missing for sure last year. It definitely could be. Now I went to that Gold Blue debut, um, and there was you know a decent amount. It wasn't nearly packed, but. You know, I'm fully vaccinated. I've been traveling all over the world. I still don't know that I want to go into a, an indoor arena that's completely full of people screaming. So <laughs> I, 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 it'll, it'll be interesting to see how many people actually come and, uh, you know, want to go to that. And, and I know people are caring less and less these days, but, uh, you know, I'm still not sold on 14,000 people screaming and me just breathing all that air. So, we'll, 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 I mean, we'll find out. And as of right now, WVU has no restrictions. So there's no restrictions on attendance. The, yeah, like you said, Scooty, packed houses. So we'll see. We play Friday. I mean, it's a charity event. It'll probably won't be a sellout, but it'll probably be a pretty not decent amount of people uh, there for the Akron game. My guess would be between five and 10,000. Uh, maybe yeah, that's about right. Maybe a little more. I think closer to 10. But, yeah, I think you're you're about right. But, uh, Brett, thanks for joining us, as always. I mean, you know, uh, excited about having you back this season with us. We'll have you on before we go to South Carolina and, and play in this Charleston Classic. But before you leave us, I do have one other topic I want to bring up with you and get your opinion on. Since we've last talked, the name and likeness has gone into effect for basketball players. And I thought it was really interesting. I listened to an interview with Taz Sherman last week and, uh, you know, Taz was real about it. You know, Taz says, Hey, you know, it's great. Really happy with it as a player. Taxes are real. He was like, taxes are real. And I was like, well, that's good. You know, that's good that a college kid's learning that money is, is real. But he also said, it's not hard. He says, he doesn't think it's hard for any player. And he's, he says any player on the WVU basketball team to make 40,000 a year easily off of name, image, and likeness. 
how what, as a former player as somebody who and let's let's be honest like when you played uh you were a fan favorite you know a lot of people loved you in West Virginia West Virginia you were uh you know you, you were all over the media there was a lot of Brett Solheim stuff everywhere those those seasons you were there you didn't have the opportunity to make $40,000 a year playing basketball what's your what's your feeling on it now that these kids have this opportunity okay so just to go back to what it was like when i was playing um okay so <laughs> can i just say I, can i just say that when you asked brent that question he looks like somebody just ran over his dog he does not look very happy he is so depressed because he wanted very much to represent uh jan's hot dogs and maybe the pokey dot and fairmont and he didn't get a chance to uh to to you know maybe the chick-fil-a i don't know he he feels like he missed some golden opportunities and uh, he looks upset about it. The pokey dot. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. no, I'm I'm actually super happy for these guys because I can appreciate what it's like being a broke athlete. Now, you you're a full time student, and you basically basketball is your full time job. So, you know there and there were rules that you couldn't take a job. Um, that changed either my junior or senior year, and during breaks you could actually get a job. And as as wild as this sounds, I got a job at a funeral home, and I actually um, drove the hearse one time. Uh, an 88-year-old woman passed away, and I, here I'm driving the I'm I'm alone with the dead body, driving a hearse to the uh, to uh, the the cemetery. Uh, you know, obviously there's a you know a whole bunch of people uh, in cars behind me, but I mean. <laughs> Every single season, like if you're recruiting someone from a different part of the country, they have to pay a lot of money to fly home. That's not included on your scholarship check. Your scholarship check is for your room and board. So um, money to pay for your apartment and money for food, and that's it. It's not money to go to a movie or to take a date out to a, a nice restaurant. It was for you. And every single year, I would be broke by the end of the year. And I, I had I had one of those credit cards that they sell students freshman year. And I had to pay off $1,000 because, you know, I wanted to fly home twice a year to see my family. So I'm actually super happy for these guys that, uh, you know, if they're making $40,000, man, that's fantastic for them. Now, some of the guys on my team were eligible for Pell Grants and stuff like that. And I was not eligible for any of that. And my parents were not helping me financially either. Now, maybe they might buy some groceries for me when they came to visit. But, uh, you know, I I struggled financially through college. I have no problems admitting that. Now, I know some kids go into massive debt. So I'm thankful that WVU paid for my education. And I did get, uh, you know, the opportunity to play in front of a lot of people and be on scholarship. But $40,000 a year is a huge deal for a college athlete. I know it's not the millions the, the professional athletes are making, but if they can be even making half of that, that sets them up to be at least not hungry at the end of every month. And that's, and that's important. Yeah. That's what I started to say. Yeah. That's, and that's a even, I think that's maybe even more to it. Right. Brent. I mean, it's, not even that it's a glamorous amount. It's just the fact that they can they can take advantage of that and and be able to to get a little a little bit back on on it. Brian, do you think it would have if 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 you had been a ball a ball player now and being recruited now, would it change your perspective of where you go based on what you could potentially earn as a player? Yeah, I I honestly think I would definitely look at 
what school, you know, how, how are the students making out in the name, image, and likeness? You know, like give an example. I, I read somewhere that the starting quarterback for um, Alabama, that's a million dollar, that's going to be a million dollar job going forward. Um, you know, I, I would definitely pick a bigger school over a smaller school because chances are, you know, there's going to be more uh, sponsors, more boosters that are willing to, you know, work with you on that. So, yeah, I think it would definitely impact decisions going forward for sure. Can you confirm that the ad campaign for that funeral, for Fred's funeral home where you drove the hearse was, when I'm not driving the lane, I'm driving the hearse. Tell them Brent <laughs> sent you. Brent Solheim sent you. No, hey, so honestly, I worked two funerals um, in that part-time job, and uh, I actually cried at both. So I, I'm, I'm definitely not set out for that uh, I'm, well, yeah, I was not set out to be in uh, any type of but mortuary you're saying situation. That was, that was the level of glamour of your of yeah. your uh, income during. I think yeah, it would yeah. have been a catchy slogan. Like I think it would have <laughs> been good. Been. When I'm not driving the lane, I'm driving the hearse. I could uh, I could carry flowers from the funeral home to the uh, to the church to the cemetery like no one else. So Johnson, uh, Johnson, what would have been like if like you and I were at like our grandmother's? funeral and here comes brett solheim rolling up in a hertz dropping off your grandma or like uh hey loved you against temple uh thanks for <laughs> driving grandma like do they maybe slap a wv with uh with your uniform number on the the driver's side door or something you know i yeah, think that'd right. be no no it was not glamorous at all uh, i'm not even gonna pretend like it was you know wash some cars move some flowers actually drive the hearse one time it was it was uh, it was work. <laughs> uh, well, Brett, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you a bunch this season. Thanks for coming on, man. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, don't forget, a lot of stuff happening this week in the world of WVU sports. You've got this uh, scrimmage game against Akron coming up on Friday. Uh, that game is on ESPN Plus, and then WVU plays Iowa State at that awesome two o'clock kickoff. With that, so random. Also on ESPN Plus. So get your nickels out and get ready for some WVU sports this weekend. Hey, everybody, don't forget, look for us online. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter. Just search Got Your Ears On. Look for us on Facebook and check out our website, gotyourearson.com. We'll be back next week with another show, guys. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. Got your ears on.